welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Um, I feel like I say this every week, but I genuinely am super excited for this conversation today. And I think a lot of people get a lot of value out of it. Uh, I'm joined by Lydia O'Donnell. Um, for those of you who don't know who Lydia is, you, you'll learn a lot more in our chat today. But um, she's a Nike running coach, um, absolute freak runner. She has her own coaching service, Femi, which we'll touch on at some point in the chat as well. Um, but Lydia, welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here and excited to chat. I think uh, a lot of the audience, so if, if you don't know, a lot of my audience is very, I would say, quite broad. Like I, I have a bunch of different guests on the show, you know, there's some that are very specific to health and fitness like yourself. Others that are more along the lines of, say, mindfulness and business and just people that do cool shit. Um, but I dare say there is a lot of people that are tuning in um, that enjoy their running, um, maybe some that probably don't enjoy their running. So hopefully uh, today today we can give, give them a few tips and, and a bit of advice. And, and obviously, I'll have all of um, Lydia's social media and website and whatnot in the, the show notes so everyone can go and check out her content at the end of today. But let's get stuck in. So how did, how did you first get into running? Is it a typical like junior who started Little Arts and just liked a little bit more than everything else and just stuck with it? Or what was, what was the reason you started running in the first place? Yeah, I definitely started running when I was really little. I think I started athletics when I was about seven or eight years old. But I guess the reason it probably stuck with me is because it didn't require much coordination. <laughs> <laughs> I did. A, I actually did a lot of sport growing up. I was like really big into like um, soccer, and I, cool. I actually danced a lot as well. So I did ballet yeah. until the age of about fourteen years old. Um, so I think dancing was kind of like my main thing until I got to that age, and then running became kind of my priority. I think I just loved. I love the idea of running. I love the social element of running. And I think from a very young age, I really realized what running could do for my mental health and how it really just made me feel. And mm. that's probably what like made it stick for me is like, no matter kind of where I was in terms of like being an elite athlete, I was always going to get the benefit of what running could do for my mental health. And that was probably like the, the sole reason why I'm still doing it now. I think one of the best things about it is it's so accessible. Like, you know, we saw throughout lockdown, people who absolutely love the gym go five, six, seven days a week, all of a sudden had fucking half a dumbbell and a band at home. <laughs> and all of a sudden the workouts are a lot tougher. Whereas with the running, it's just, yeah, I, I love the fact that it's so accessible. Um, anyone can do it, which is awesome. I had uh, Samantha Gash on the show. Uh, my, I think it may have been towards the end of last year. I could be wrong. Um, but one of the questions I asked her, um, I'm interested to hear your answer. Is, it, is running for you something that you genuinely love and enjoy regardless of I guess the business and um I guess the how would you put it like the obsession with it like do you still enjoy it to the point where you really get a lot of enjoyment out of it or is it now become a thing where it's like I wouldn't definitely wouldn't say a chore but is it now just like something that you do because it's part of your identity and, and it's part of your business or do you still get that that real enjoyment out of going for a run yeah, no, I, I just love it. Like, I think I've always told myself that if I get to a point where I'm not enjoying it and I'm hating and I'm like not wanting to get up and go for a run, I yeah. won't do it anymore. I just think that you should enjoy what you do. And for me, like running is something that brings me so much joy, no matter, you know, if I'm training for an event or racing or being yeah. out of a community, like I get so much joy out of the way it makes me feel and connects me to other people. So 
yeah, I, I just genuinely love it. And I'm just very grateful that I have turned it into a career and able to, you know, make a living out of it as well. Do you have yeah. a, uh, do you have a preference now in terms of distances of, you know, I wrote down a few of your PBs here, which are seriously impressive, which we'll go over in a second, but do you have a preference now? Like, do you prefer to run like the middle distance or do you seriously love doing the longer stuff? Like on a, on a day where you just want to go for a run and you could pick any, any form of, of, I guess, session, like what's your go to? Uh, I love the longer stuff like long distance running to me is just such a challenge I think anyone can really get up and run five or ten k's if they really had to yeah the marathon and be on the marathon like that stuff to me is really what like lights me up I just love running those long distances it's just a crazy um feeling when you finish one of those long runs whether it's a marathon race or just one in training you just feel so good so that's I, I love that. I, I like running like fast and doing speed sessions as well, but it's more yeah. probably to complement doing some of the longer stuff. So yeah, I, I think the marathon distance is a sweet spot because you, it's not quite an ultra where you get to like stop along the way and eat pizza mm. and you know, <laughs> it's quite a different take. You're still running pretty fast, but just mm. for such a, a long time. And I just love the idea of the challenge of getting out there and trying to keep the pace on for such a long distance. And yeah, the marathon is, is definitely my favorite. Awesome. So for the listeners uh, or, or people that are watching the interview at the moment, I've, like I said, I wrote down a few of these PVs, which are just outrageous. So for your 3K, I don't know if these have changed or updated since, since you put these on your site, but the 3K, nine minutes and six seconds, which is absolutely flying. 10K, 33 minutes, 22, which is also ridiculous. Um, half marathon, 72 minutes, 44, and then the full marathon, two hours and 38 minutes, which is just outrageous. So, I uh, so like, so last year, right. I, um, I like to do like pretty crazy shit or at least try and challenge myself physically and mentally. Um, I absolutely love my running. Like as a junior, when I was playing footy and basketball, like I could run in my sleep. Like I just absolutely loved it. Um, few injuries over the years and I still really enjoy it now, but just probably don't find it as easy as what I, I once did. Obviously put on a, a decent amount of weight too since, since then. But last year, a friend of mine, uh, we both got up one day and just ran a marathon with no training. Um, obviously not, not ideal, but for those that are listening at the moment that have the intention of running the marathon, obviously the, the Melbourne Marrow is coming up super soon, a bit late to start prepping for that one. But, um, for those that have run a marathon or, or have the intention of running one, how long um, realistically and, and I guess in a perfect world would you give yourself to prepare for the run? It depends. If you're someone that's never run before and you want to run a marathon, I would probably give yourself like two or three years to prepare for it. Really Fuck. just so you can build it up really <laughs> gradually. I know it sounds like a really long time, but running is something that takes so much time and patience. And if you mm. can get that consistency going and make it really sustainable, then you'll be able to get to the marathon three years later and actually feel really good and run really well. Whereas mm. if you try and push to run a marathon, if you've never run before and you want to try and run a marathon in a few months, it's such a big ask in your body and you're just so not conditioned to the load. So it just takes time to be able to get conditioned to running. Even if you're someone that's like yourself, super fit, you know, if you're used to lifting weights and you know, you go to the gym and you do a lot of other sorts of exercise, it's still pretty hard to translate that to running fitness. Yeah. So it does take time. If you're someone who maybe has run like five, 10, maybe a few halves, I'd probably give yourself a good 16 weeks to like prepare for that marathon. 16 weeks. Yeah. 16 weeks, four months. 
And I'm assuming, um, and obviously we're not going to give away all your secrets today, but I'm assuming like throughout the 16 weeks, the frequency and, and obviously the volume changes a lot as you get closer towards the race. But like in terms of frequency and intensity, let's say in the first half of a, of a 16 week block, like what's like how many times a week um ideally should people be running because you know i've heard all different types of shit people basically trying to get away with the bare minimum some people yeah. quite clearly overdoing it to the point where their body's just hating them and 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 mentally they, they cook themselves so like is there a sweet spot or is it is it case by case it's case by case and this is probably why i have a bit of a grudge against like generic programming because everyone mm-hmm. is so different so every plan and program that we write is very personalized to the athlete and you know someone might be already running five or six days a week so we're going to be able to keep that consistency up and that load up and then just obviously increase their case over that time but if you are someone that's just you're coming into this and you've only run two or three times a week then you probably only want to push it up to three or four times a week for the first few months so it really just depends on yeah. the athlete and you really have to take all of that into account to make sure that you're programming the right amount of load and the right amount of recovery as well for the athlete so it's hard to say for one person uh, just a couple more things on the marathon before we, before we uh, push forward a bit. But again, I'm assuming it's case by case. But, um, you know, another mistake that I see, even with having no real idea of how to program marathon training, um, the mistake I see is that a lot of people could just, that are particularly doing their first one just run. Like they just increase the distance each week or every couple of weeks and that's it. It's just race pace or close to race pace and they just gradually increase the volume. So when for someone like yourself is training for a marathon, how different are the sessions throughout the week? Like is there speed sessions, longer sessions? Like how, how does it vary? And I guess what is the benefit of, you know, for someone that's listening that's training for a marathon, they probably naturally would think they're like going to run say 400s, 800s or doing speed work or 1K efforts or whatever. It's probably not going to benefit them. But how does that affect the actual race day? Yeah, no matter what distance you're actually training for variety in your program is really important. So even if you're Mm. training for a 5k, a 10k, a half or a full marathon, you should have that variety. So for me, I would do a lot of recovery running. So actually a lot of my recovery, my running is at quite a slow pace. Um, And then I do one or maybe two speed sessions a week. And at the Mm -hmm. moment building towards the marathon, that's very marathon specific work. So it might not be running four or eight hundreds, but it might be running like three by five K or five by three K at marathon pace with a K flow or um, fartlek training where you're doing like a mile on a mile off or a K on a K off. Okay. Um, that sort of speed work so it's not necessarily like really fast and short stuff but it's still like pushing the pace and working at marathon pace or beyond it um and then we do one long run which is when you're training for a marathon super crucial to get the long run in there some people like to put a bit of speed work into their long runs but i think a lot of people have this idea that they need to run their long runs quite close to race pace because that's obviously what you're trying to do mm. in the race but that's not necessarily true at all. I think okay. you know, if you're trying to run a long run at race pace, it's going to take so much out of you and then it's yeah. actually going to affect your overall training. So I think you just need to understand that like, you kind of hit those paces more in your speed sessions and then your long runs just about time on feet. So yeah, the variety is really important. I think um, building a base, you can just run and run and run, but when, when you want to actually periodize your training and work towards a race, you need to make sure there's variety to make sure that you're like pushing the pace and pushing the heart rate when you, when it's like required. It's funny, isn't it? There's so many similarities, like even between gym work, like I talk a lot about progressive overload and how you don't need to finish every session feeling like you've just gone to bloody war. Like you should be able, you should, majority of the time you leave the gym, you should feel like you've got at least a few reps left in the tank. And there's obviously a time and place for training to failure. And 
yeah. uh, high intensity, but not always. On the nutrition side of things, um, specific to a, a longer distance run, we'll use a marathon for example, but to any any long distance run, is there like a, a general rule of thumb? Uh, again, I know it's it probably varies depending on what people's preference is, but like when we did this marathon last year, for example, we were like trying to suss out like whether there was any benefit of using gels or like what, how much we should be drinking, how many, like how much electrolytes and all that type of shit. And there's just so much conflicting information, just like basically anything in the health and fitness industry. So what's your, what's your go-to nutrition and hydration wise for a longer distance session or, or yeah. race? Yeah, definitely keep it simple. Um, I think gels is uh, like, you can't even question it. You definitely need to take gels when you're doing right. one of those longer races. Um, I think in training... Didn't have any of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I don't know how your people get through that sort of distance without any you know, carbohydrates and energy. But um, so for me, I will take maybe one gel every hour or 45 minutes to an hour in a training run. And then in a race, it's every either um, every 30 minutes usually. If you're someone, it depends what pace you're running. Usually they say to take a gel every either 6K or 30 minutes, whichever comes first. Um, but that's a lot of gels over 42K. So and is that just basically hydrate carbohydrates or just basically yeah, carbo- fast-acting carbs pretty much? Yeah, it's carbohydrates. And then you want to make sure that you're taking um, water on with the gel. So what can happen okay. if you're just taking the gel and you're not taking water, the gel actually saps water out of your stomach to try and process it and it actually dehydrates you. So you really have to be like really pedantic about making sure you're taking on water at the same time as taking on the gels or else it can really upset your stomach and make it not a good time. <laughs> yeah. I reckon I heard someone. I was I saw that somewhere, and then I was like, "Fuck it, I'm not taking it. I'm not having any of them <laughs> the whole time," which was also a mistake. It's all about uh, practicing it. You just got to practice it in training and get your stomach used to it. That's right. And again, that's almost similar uh, again to nutrition for body, like for body composition. I, I it's very common in like the bodybuilding industry, for example, like you or physique. Uh, industry like people will spend 16 weeks or 20 weeks 12 weeks whatever it is getting ready to step on stage with the leanest i've ever been and then the day of the show or the week of the show all of a sudden they start doing all this crazy shit they've seen online but their body hasn't Mm. done any of it throughout this whole period and they wonder why they look like shit or they they don't respond well so just i guess like doing what your body knows or at least giving yourself time to adapt, which I guess I'm assuming would be a good tip for someone listening to not just use the gels for the first time on race day. Like, yeah, no, don't do anything. Well. Don't do anything like two weeks leading into the race that you've never done before. Don't try any new exercises. Don't try yeah. any new food. Don't try and take gels. If you've never taken gels, like make sure that you kind of have all that prepped and you've practiced it and the yeah. to the race so that you're ready to go. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market what's um this is a pretty loaded question but what are, I guess, uh, are some of the key, okay, we'll go, we'll go mechanically. Again, this is a super, super difficult question for the answer, but like mechanically with people's running technique, is there any key things that you see like the average runner 
that if they knew would just completely change it. Like I know a lot of people that I speak to typically don't get into running because they just genuinely feel like shit or they find it so difficult physically Mm -hmm. to even get those first few weeks under their belt. Is there certain things that are pretty common occurrences amongst like amateur runners that that, uh, people should focus on or work on early days? I think when we talk about running technique, I'm not so much of a running technique coach. Like I really just allow people to move as naturally as possible for them and then only step in and try and change technique if people are actually having um, issues or uh, facing any injuries. Mm-hmm. I think the most important thing, and you'll probably love this, is that like every runner needs to, I believe every runner needs to do strength training. And if you can um, bring strength training in at the start of your running journey, then that's the most beneficial thing for you to do. There is a well-known fact in the running world that a lot of runners don't have glute power or their glutes need to activate more. Mm-hmm. Um, and you saw a lot of runners doing glute activation exercises, but um, that's just like a lack of strength. So if you can bring the strength element into your training journey at the start, um, yeah. it's just going to help you hold your body together obviously but also give you power in running as well so i think if you're strong you're probably going to have a better running technique anyway is that uh, aside from the glutes like how how much of a role do you find personally that like say hamstring strength and, and even calf work plays in it like i i definitely am guilty of not doing anywhere near enough uh calf work but even at the moment like a good friend of mine he's having shitloads of issues with his calves and so now it's like the first time he's really started to focus on the calf stuff but yeah like aside from the glutes like what are some typical things that you would do like strength wise to build up strength of the hammies and calves yeah, so I go to the gym maybe like two or three times a week. Um, this is funny because I'm actually suffering a bit of a hamstring issue at the moment, but I still go to the gym to make sure because my issues are all around tendons and we all know tendonopathy, proximal. Yeah, so um, I guess my very basic strength training session in the gym, and I do the same thing pretty much every time I go, um, we'll start on like leg press, then I'll move it to um, squats. Like, And I go pretty heavy for me and my size. Yep. I'm lifting quite heavy. Um, and then I go into like deadlifts um, mm-hmm. or like an RDL. And then yeah. I go into like hip thrusts. And then I'll go into calf raises, which I do single leg calf raises. And that's like, yeah, pretty heavy. Just because when you're running, I think it's like eight, eight times your body load or something goes through. I should probably know that, but I think it's like eight times your body load goes through each leg every time you take a step. So yeah, okay. you think about like how much load that is. And so especially when you're pushing off. So calf raises is, I've honestly probably found calf raising, like heavy calf lifts over the last year and a half has made such a difference to my performance. I ran a 10 K PB at the start of the year and I honestly put it down to those. Interesting. <laughs> is that um, when you say you're doing single leg calf work, is that um, holding a load in one hand? Is it on a Smith machine? Like how? Um, I actually don't know the name of the machine yet. It's like leaning into a machine with weight on my shoulders. A specific um, calf raise machine. Yeah. I think yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah. I think it's a cross Standing machine. calf. Yeah, it's like okay, a standing yep. calf, but it's, but I, it's a bent knee calf raise. Okay, yep, yeah, cool. Awesome. Um, so mechanically, yeah, so you don't try and make too many changes. What about um, someone listening that is wanting, again, I'll use the example of someone that, that has their every intention of getting into running, but they just find that first few weeks just absolutely horrendous. <laughs> um, like how should someone start? Like it, I'm not necessarily saying that they're training for a marathon. They maybe just want to start get to the point where they can comfortably or enjoyably go for a run once, yeah. twice, two, three times a week, whatever it may be. Like what is the best place to start? Is it super short runs and gradually building it up? Is it walk around, walk around? What, how does it yeah. look like for you? I think the first thing, um, 
for your mind is just to take away any expectation and pressure that you put on yourself. I think a lot of people start running and they just think that they need to be running like five Ks and they have this idea that five Ks yeah. is the distance they need to be running, but it's so, um, you know, five Ks is still quite a long way, for yeah. sports, especially for someone who's never run before. So taking away that expectation to be like, I've got to run that far and be like, I'm just going to go out for 10 minutes and I'm going to walk around one minute on one minute off or 30 seconds on 30 seconds off mm-hmm. trying to like really pull that pressure back. Cause I think if you do it right from the get go, you're going to build a really sustainable relationship with running. And yeah, what we see time and time again is people just throwing themselves into running, running for two or three weeks hating it and then never wanting to run again and i'm yeah. definitely someone who wants to build running into people's lives to be really sustainable and something they can do forever so making sure that you take the right approach by like really just easing yourself in and i would say the first six to eight weeks is going to be pretty shit like it's it's not a great time <laughs> the first time you start running and i put my hand up and say that it's mm. so true but once you get through that six to eight weeks, you will never look back once you kind of get hooked and you get the feelings of like, you know, the endorphins and the adrenaline mm. of what running can actually do for you and like how, I don't know, how balanced it can make your mind. I think then you will like want to run forever, but it's the first like six to eight weeks, which is really, really hard. So you kind of yeah. just have to get yourself through that and having a program and something to follow can really help you do that and having friends with you to get you out to, yeah. you know, to make, make it more social anything that you can do to get through that time will really help but once you get through that honestly you'll never look back obviously with something like a marathon you don't really have any choice but like do you have a, a surface preference that you find to run on is is better than others like i would imagine even for someone who loves running i would imagine like just running on pavement or like the road all the time cannot be good for joints and stuff like that <laughs> so like is there do you have a preference to, to run on? I actually prefer running on the road, but oh, yeah? it's probably because I don't run that well on grass or trail. Um, okay. I've just always been naturally probably more built for the road. Um, but yeah, it is, it is a lot of impact on your body and it can take a lot out of you. So if you haven't run before, probably getting on the grass would actually be a lot more helpful just to remove some of the impact. But yeah, running on the road, if you don't have the right like equipment and shoes and stuff, it can really affect you. And if you're doing too much too soon, then that's when, you know, the injuries mm. happen. So I love running on the trails. Like I really enjoy trail running, but when I'm like actually in training, I like running on the road just so I can move a bit quicker. Yeah. What What do you do for recovery? So after say like a longer run or a high impact session, is there certain things that, that you find more beneficial than others in terms of recovery aside from like say hydration and nutrition, like anything else? Yeah, I think um, for me, yeah, I think hydration and nutrition, like eating a lot of food as a runner is really, really important just to make sure that you aren't falling into that energy deficit. But for mm-hmm. me, like sleeping is really important. I get a lot of sleep. I'm pretty like anal about my sleep. Um, and at the moment I've been smashing the ice baths. So I've got awesome. some issues. So I've just been jumping every day into the ice baths and I'm someone who like hates the cold. So it's a bit of a challenge for me to get yeah. there, but I find it definitely helps. Um, but yeah, sleep, just the key normal things really. And just trying to, especially getting close to a race, minimize all your other stresses. Yep. I think it's really important to make sure that you know what your priority is. And if it is that race, making sure that you can try and like eliminate other stresses because that can really impact your recovery. And you can just focus on like yourself for a wee while, that can help so much. Tell us a little bit about, a little bit about um, Femi. Obviously, everyone who's listening at the moment um, by now, if you've got questions around, tra- around running, hopefully we've answered plenty of them. Um, but you obviously offer a coaching service yourself. Like how did Femi come about? Um, like who, I'm, a, I'm pretty sure it's for 
mainly female or only female, yeah, is it? Yeah. Yep. Um, so like what, what type of clients do you work with? Like how does the whole coaching service work and, and how did it all come about in the first place? Yeah, so we launched Femi, me and my personal friend Esther launched Femi just over 12 months ago now. So we launched Femi as kind of the answer to the issues that we experienced growing up. Both Esther and I grew up in a world as competitive athletes where we felt a lot of pressure from people around us, from society and from our coaches to actually look a certain way to be a performing athlete. And so I actually had quite a few experiences as a young, uh, it was probably through, through more through my 20s where I was told by coaches I needed to lose weight and then I needed to look a certain way and be a certain weight to be running certain times and there's quite a um yeah i guess a toxic attitude in athletics around um girls having to be lean and this idea about being lean means you're fast um and so i mean through that um and because i would say like just quickly sorry to cut you off like um just as an observation i would say like it does seem pretty common that females in particular that are heavily into their running typically I don't know whether it's naturally or whether it's like something subconsciously that they feel like they have to, but like tend to lean towards almost like underweight, especially in the endurance type events. Yeah. And so it's interesting you say that. And I think there definitely is this idea that, you know, if you're a runner, you're just naturally really lean because obviously you're burning so much um, energy, but there is lean and there's fit and then there's, and then there's unhealthy. And Mm. I think um, the, the conversations that we were brought up around were really toxic and i think the idea you know they're still affecting who we are now which is really sad you know like in my 30s and i'm still having effects from what coaches were telling me when i was 20. Mm. um and so we i guess my experience through my 20s i actually fell into a state of relative energy deficiency syndrome Mm -hmm. which is obviously when you um are in an energy deficit state and and an effect of being an energy deficit is when you lose your menstrual cycle. So that's one of like the key signs to know that you are in the state of energy deficit. Um, yep. And so for me, it was mid twenties. I was, I wouldn't say I was overtraining, but I was in a really um, stressful job situation as well. Um, and I was probably just doing too much and definitely not eating enough. So I fell into the fad diets of keto and not eating any carbohydrates and just cutting as much as I could out because I was trying to look a certain way and mm-hmm. lose a certain amount of weight, which was really, really toxic. And yeah. so I fell into reds, which is relative energy deficiency and um, lost my menstrual cycle for about nine months and ended up not being able to run for a long period of time because of it. Um, and another, I guess, symptom of being in reds is you end up getting bone stress fractures as well. So yeah. it's very well known in our running world that a lot of girls do suffer from menstrual cycle dysfunction and they also suffer from bone um, stress fractures. So it used to be called the female athlete triad, which um, was all about like when girls lost their menstrual cycles because of eating disorders and then getting stress fractures. Those are kind of the three things, but we now realize there's so many other things that kind of go on when you suffer from reds um, and, and men can suffer from reds as well. It's not yeah. just about females. Yeah. And so Esther actually went through a very similar experience when she was younger. Um, and so when we, when I went through this experience, I learned a lot about hormonal health and how important it was to embrace our female hormones and how important it was to actually have a healthy menstrual cycle. Mm. Because we grew up thinking if you lost your menstrual cycle, it was like, a really good sign that you were training hard enough and not eating enough and that was like really oh, something crazy. to celebrate yeah and and we now know both esther and i myself we now know that like this is not 
right and this isn't the way it, we should be thinking and we shouldn't be forcing or like um encouraging girls to you know restrict their diets and overtrain to the, look a certain way just to be accepted as an athlete and so i guess that's kind of where femi came about when we yeah. learned all of this information that female physiology is so different to male physiology I think it was between 2014 and 2020, 6% of sports science research studies were done on females. So it just shows okay. like there's a huge lack of education around female physiology yeah. and how females should be training, eating and recovering. And so um, I learned a lot of this information through a physiologist called Dr. Stacey Sims, who's very well known in the space. And um, it just frustrated me that A, I didn't know it earlier and B, that no one else knows this. And I see yeah. so many females suffering. So we brought Femi about just to be able to be um, that answer to those girls who actually any female that exercises to teach them about how important it was to embrace our female hormones and to actually celebrate our periods because mm -hmm. I know it's like a it's a really taboo subject and not many people talk about it and the, I think the health and wellness industry just doesn't speak about it enough and yeah. probably just doesn't know enough about it because yeah, of the sure. research um and so we just want to be kind of that voice to empower not only athletes but also coaches and trainers to be like yo we actually need to pay attention to these hormones and make sure girls like actually embrace getting a period and not see it as like a sign of celebration if they lose it because that's yeah. really detrimental insane i um i don't even know if this is this this could actually be along those lines obviously i didn't lose my period because i've never had one <laughs> but uh when i was younger like i was by the sounds of it like it's very similar issues like i i wasn't doing competitive running but um took football very seriously and basketball and for me i was always like if i could work harder than everyone else then I'd be, I'd be okay. So I was just a nut. Like I'd just run <laughs> too much to the point where it, it was an issue. Like I had eventually had like this eating, I wouldn't, I don't know if, know if I'd classify it as eating disorder, but like very similar things, like would avoid yeah. certain foods, would always exercise after I ate same height as I am now, but 25 kilos less than what I am now. And I'm not even, I'm still skinny now. Um, so like I actually got to the point where I was like, had like, bad kidney problems after every hard session and by the sounds of it i mean it maybe it's like a, a male version of the of similar similar yeah. issues so men can definitely suffer from reds and i think this is the beauty of being a female is that we have this period and we have the sign every single month to tell us whether we're healthy or not but unfortunately men don't have that sign so mm. we're like very lucky in that if something you know if we see that our menstrual cycle is being dysfunctional and that maybe we've gone from like a 28 day cycle to like a 21 day cycle or a 40 day cycle we need to be like okay something's wrong something's and we need wrong. to make some changes mm. so unfortunately men don't have that and i guess <laughs> men just need to be more in tune with actually how they feel about like fatigue and if you are having any hormonal issues it can definitely impact there as well so mm. it's it's good that it speaks to both genders now because it, um it used to just speak to females and i think that could really have detrimental impacts on men as well 100%. Well, this has been really enjoyable. Um, I think I'll definitely be getting in touch once I decide to do another marathon or half um, and actually give myself longer than 24 hours training <laughs> this time around. Um, but look, um, I really appreciate your time today. There was a heap of shit that I wanted to ask and I think I've got through most of it. So if anyone who's tuned in that um, would like to find out more information or, or get some help personally, make sure you visit the links in the show notes today. Um, Lydia, thanks for your time. I really do appreciate it. And, um, and for everyone who's tuned in, we really appreciate it too. Uh, too. So take a screenshot of this episode, post up on Instagram story, tag myself, tag Lydia. Um, and yeah, looking forward to hearing everyone's feedback, but thank you so much for your time.
Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Thank you.